can vary be, be, is the, it, it varies be, with the person that's trying to make the determination of what the difference is. Uh, I just I told Anna earlier after I prepared after finishing preparing the message I said hey you know I think I think I'm losing weight. <laughs> she goes oh really? <laughs> I go yeah. Oh, um, and I was like, sh you know, showing her my, my figure. I'm like, yeah, you know, um, when my stomach goes here, I know I need to lose weight. But right now it's like flat, you know, it's like, it's, it's, I think I'm, whatever I'm doing, it's working and I'm eating much more. And she goes, well, I'm glad you feel that way. <laughs> Did you measure your weight? Did you make a measurement? Did you measure your, your waist? Did you check your weight before you started whatever you started? Because that's the, really the only way you can determine if you have lost weight or not. And I go, whatever. <laughs> so, but the, the point is that, it, it, is that, that's exactly the point. It doesn't, it doesn't matter what we feel. Correct? When we're trying to determine what the difference is between Christianity and other faith, right? It doesn't matter how we feel. If we're trying to determine if there is a God or not, it doesn't matter what we feel about it. There has to be a way to measure, a way to compare. Now, in regards to what the, what's the difference when it comes to faith, because this is Lent, right? This, this is the time of Lent. Uh, we do not, as born-again Christians, we don't observe Lent in a way to where we fast because there's no more need for it. Um, uh, another faith, a different faith, will fast from eating meat. And I hated it when I was a Catholic because when that time comes, I knew, I knew I was going to hate the diet that I was going to eat. You know, vegetables and fish, that's it. But because there's no need for, uh, for that, because Christ has done everything for us, there's no more, no more need to add or make sacrifice to what Christ has done. For us, when we observe Lent, it's just to remind us of the events that led to the cross. So that's exactly what our series is going to be, is we're going to be discussing the events that led Jesus to the cross. But for tonight... We're going to try to discuss the what. What's the difference between Christianity and other faith? So the first point is, who is the authority? Now, counterfeit money is a big problem, if you didn't know. Now, it's an ongoing threat for retailers, and they can't afford to be complacent about it. During the first three months of 2021, U.S. Customs and Border Protection officers seized $1.6 million in counterfeit currency in Chicago. And another $110,000 in fake currency was seized in California. Go figure. <laughs> um, now, but there's, there's ways to determine what a counterfeit money is or what a counterfeit bill is. Uh, first is you have to hold up the bill to a light and look for a hologram showing an image that matches the face of the indi individual on the bill. Now, both images must match. If someone has bleached and altered a $5 bill to look like a $100 bill, for instance, the hologram will display an image of 
Abraham Lincoln, who appears in the $5 bill, instead of Benjamin Franklin. So automatically you know it's fake. Now the problem is if you don't know who is who, right? <laughs> if you're like, I see it, I see a face. <laughs> Looking at the bill through a light will also reveal a thin vertical strip. Now when I was in the Philippines, I loved doing this. I loved taking that out in, in, my, in, my, in my two peso bill containing text that spells out the bill's denomination. And there's also color shifting ink, watermark, security thread, ultraviolet glow, microprinting, fine line printing patterns, and the last one, comparison. Comparison to what? They have to compare, you have to compare the feel and the texture of the paper with other bills that you know are authentic. You compare it to the real ones. Now when it comes to the question, what's the difference between Christianity and other faith, the authority that determines that, the, the thing that says this is the line to determine which is right and which is wrong, is the Bible. Amen? That book that's sitting in your bookcase, in your bookshelf, that's gathering dust. That's the authority that determines what's right and what's wrong, what's real from what's fake. That book. Because that book, it's just not an ordinary book. That book, book is, uh, is, is written down by Paul in 2 Timothy 3.16-17. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. So that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Now, I added in here that the Bible has 66 books written over approximately 1,400 to 1,500 years. Now, the commentaries won't agree, but, you know, that's a good measurement. By, how, by 40 different authors who wrote in Hebrew, Aramaic, Ar Aramaic and Greek. Now, above the human authors, the Bible was written by God. Right? Inspired. God, is, God superintended the human authors of the Bible so that while using their own writing styles and personalities, they still recorded exactly what God intended. The Bible was not dictated by God, but it was perfectly guided and entirely inspired by Him. Amen? If you don't believe that, that's your first problem. Because if you don't believe that, then you don't believe Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God. Right? It's written down there. Humanly speaking, the Bible was written down by approximately 40 men of diverse backgrounds over the course of 1,500 years. Isaiah was a prophet. Ezra was a priest. Matthew was a tax collector. John was a fisherman. Paul was a tent maker. Moses was a shepherd. Luke was a physician. Despite being penned by different authors over 15 centuries, the Bible does not contradict itself and does not contain any errors. The authors all present different perspectives, but they all proclaim the same one true God and the same way of salvation, which is Jesus Christ. Somebody say amen. Amen. That's in John 14.6 and Acts 4.12, but we'll go back to that later. Now, if you hold up a bill to a light, like what they said, you will look for that hologram, and then you will determine it. 
Now, if you are being presented, and the world is good to present as different beliefs, amen? They are saying that the only way to be happy is if you have money. They're saying that if you accomplish everything in your life, which is what you want, and that's all that should matter, you, should, you will be happy. But the one thing, too, is if we want to determine if that is fake, we have to put it against the light. And what's the light? Jesus is the light. We have to compare whatever new ideas that this word presents us, we have to put it against the light. You have to put it against the truth. Whatever teachings, the, the, the things that God has taught us, and God says in the Bible, we have to put it against it. It doesn't matter if, it, if the person that you heard it from has 20 million followers. Right? Taylor Swift is, does not know everything. Right? It, it, it's, it's not the, per, the most popular thinking now. Because the, if you follow popular thinking today, guess what? Tomorrow, that's no longer new. So the next pop, you're going to continue to follow the popular thinkings or your, 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 your line continues to move. But with God, it stays the same. You have to hold it against the light. Now, banks train their tellers to constantly familiarize themselves with their bills, the, the authentic bills. So that once somebody tries to deposit or exchange a $100 bill and break it into 20s, once they touch it, the one time that they feel it, they already know that it's fake. Now, us Christians, we have to familiarize ourselves with the Word of God. We have to, to, to put it in our hearts and in our minds what the truth is based on what's written down in the Word of God in order for us to, to know right away, once we touch something that is fake, once something is presented to, to us, we already know that's not right. That's not real. That's not what God said. That's contradictory to what God has, is teaching in the Bible and what God wants for me. Now there's that, there's that big, it, it, it's so simple if you are willing. Can we just be honest? If we are willing to, to, to receive this truth, it is very easy to determine and to identify the fake ones. And it's always easier, too, to be honest with ourselves if we know that what's written down in the Word is, is, is something that we're familiar with. Now, it's difficult if we're not willing to listen to the Word of God. Because our hearts somehow always win against our minds. Amen? We know that the Bible says, do not yoke with unbelievers. But then our heart fell in love with an unbelieving, 6'4", weightlifting, good-looking, intelligent, Lamborghini-driving CEO guy. <laughs> Right? Everything else except the one most important thing that God said. And then what do we say? What do we say if we're going to be honest? I can share to him. I'll have Pastor Joe meet him. I'll text him John 3.16 and Ephesians 2.8.9. I'll evangeligao him or her. Now it's 
it's easy. Now, if we know we're violating something that's written down, that's one good step. But it doesn't matter if you know it, if you break it. Correct? If the warning sign in the bottle says, if it expires, don't drink this. And then you say, oh, yeah, I believe it. And then you take it and you drink it. Right? You know, that's it's so stupid. Nobody, none of us will do it. Nobody will do it. When it comes to a, a bottle of medicine and it says, don't drink if it's expired. We, we stop coming to church altogether, right? Because the government said COVID-19 will kill you. Don't go to church. So we did that faithfully. <laughs> yeah, but when, when it comes to God and his, 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 when it comes to us obeying God, we rationalize things. Oh, it's okay. Maybe God will understand. It's saved by grace, right? But then if we, if we really have to, again, the authority in the Christian to a Christian is the word of God. So read 2 Timothy 4, 2-4. Preach the word, be prepared in season and out of season, correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine, instead to suit their own desires. They will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. Do you agree to this? I agree to this. There are more Christians or, or people that call themselves Christians listening to prosperity preaching. There is more attendance. Their, their attendance is, is, is huge and it's, it's, it's great. It's wonderful. It's, I, I've seen it. I watch them. It's amazing. It's encouraging, especially if you want to get rich. It's like a, a holy TEDx meeting, you know? It, it, it's why because it's written down there it's what it said that's what the bible says we will want to stop listening to to the truth of god and we will just want to listen to the things that we want to hear now if you're a parent you don't want your children acting that way right you want your children to obey Whatever you say, whatever you tell them, because you, your best intention is in mind, right? You have their best in mind for them. That's why you're giving them those do's and don'ts. Now, if they say, I love you, but I could care less about what you're telling me, is that something that, does that match? No, it doesn't. But somehow, that's us sometimes. But you know how good our God is? I heard this illustration. You know how good God is? It's like, it's like having a rebellious kid, right? And then this rebellious kid has a, has a very rich father and very gracious father. And then he calls his father. He's in jail. He calls his dad, Dad, I'm in jail. Can you please bail me out? Right? And then the dad goes, Oh, you know what? I can't believe you're there. But sure, I'll kit you out. Then he'll go pick him up. And then from there goes home and he goes, son, please change your ways. Don't do this again. And yes, dad, I love you. I won't do it again. One week later, son goes back to jail, calls his dad again. Dad, he goes, you're back there? He goes, yup. Need my bail, bailout money again? Yup. And this is God. God will say, all right, I'll be there. Isn't that amazing? That's our God. I don't know how many times he bailed me out. 
today. <laughs> you know, it's... Now, Christian, for the Christian that grew up in a Christian household, I would say you were blessed. You are blessed. However, the world out there is going to challenge your faith. God's Word tells us this, that this will happen. And if you're not digesting His Word, the only thing that you're digesting is the Word of the world, then you will be swayed. Now for us who did not grow up in, in Christian homes and had other faiths in the past, it's the same for us. It doesn't matter what we knew in the past. What matters is how we, if we are growing in our relationship with the Lord with our knowledge of who God is. We have to continue to learn who He is and what, his, what He wants for us. Or else we will be swayed by the wisdom of the world. Now, do you really think that reading the Bible January 1 until January 31 and then stop the entire year will help you walk this life perfectly in the eyes of God? No, right? It's ridiculous. It's the same thing as, oh, I'm going to eat a lot for Monday, you know, Monday to Thursday, and then I'll stop eating from Thursday to Sunday so I could lose weight. No, that's just going to hurt us, right? And it's not going to accomplish what we want to do. It's the same thing when in our relationship with the Lord. If we think what we can do consistently and it's good for us is reading His Word, studying His Word. If we will do that consistently in a day, every day, that's what's going to help us with our walk. Now, if for those of us who, or for those of you who work out, I shouldn't include myself anymore. Uh, for those of you who work out, you know that working out nine hours in one day for the whole week doesn't help you, right? It doesn't make you big or stronger. Working out every day, well, actually, at least twenty minutes every day, will be better for you than working nine hours in one day. We all know that. If in our physical, in the physical realm, we all know that. But in the spiritual. In the spiritual realm and with our spiritual life, we think it's okay. For some odd reason, we think it's okay. And then we wonder, I don't know why I was swayed by the world. Well, because you come to church, right? The singing is, what, 30 minutes? The prayers are about, what, let's say an additional 10 minutes? The message is two hours, right? <laughs> right? But, and then, but then when we step out of this building... You're on your Instagram, you're on your Facebook, whatever social media platform you're in. You're watching your shows. And you think those, those, those filmmakers don't have an agenda? You, you don't think that the devil and, and his cronies have no agenda to sway your mind and your thinking? To make you not live for, for the Lord, instead live for yourself and not glorify God with your life? You think that's not in there? Oh, it's very much in there. It's very much in there. There, there, there. The world has been programmed for us to live for ourselves and ourselves alone. Especially in our Western culture, in our society. We are told, work now, retire later. Right? And then somehow, we Christians, we believe that once we retire, that's when we'll serve God. Because that's when we'll have time. But then, if we're going to be honest... Once we retire, we really don't have time for the Lord anymore. 
Because, because why? Because if from the very beginning you have no habit, you have no love for God, you have not improved on your relationship with the Lord, He is just a genie for you to bless your plans, to give you what you're asking for. You think it's going to change once you retire? No. It's going to be the same. Now, for us young people, if we're thinking, oh, once I retire, that's when I serve God, you know, I have to ask you, are you serving God now by, by yourself, by reading your word, studying His word, praying to Him? That's, that's the first service that you can do, is to yourself. We cannot give what we don't have. We cannot give what we don't have. So the authority, the authority for the Christian is the Bible. The authority to determine what the difference is between Christian faith and other faith is in the Bible. So the question and the charge for us Christians is, how much of the Bible are we consuming? How much of the Bible are we reading? Now for those of you, if there's anybody here who, are, who is searching, searching for the answer, what the big difference is, um, is there any way that we can talk to Alex and say maybe pause for like an hour for our tenant? I think he's drilling. Thank you. Um, um, so for, for anybody here who is searching what the biggest difference is be, between Jesus Christ and being, being a born-again Christian versus what other faith is, the big difference is this, that Jesus came down from heaven to become the perfect sacrifice as payment for our sins. Now we believe, us Christians, we believe that His work on the cross satisfied the wrath of God, which then us believing in Him made us righteous or become in right standing with God. Therefore, because of that, we have attained heaven not because of our goodness, but because of Jesus' sacrifice. Amen? That's the biggest difference. Now, as we go through this series, Road to the Cross, I want us to always just think about that. If we have failed today, if we have, if we have been failing for the, for the whole year so far, if we feel like we haven't been faithful to Him, we have to remind ourselves that it doesn't matter uh, if, it doesn't matter that we're not being faithful to Him because He continues to be faithful to us. If we have been, been living our lives glorifying to God, you know what? Fortunately for us, it doesn't matter because God's perfect work is, was done on the cross. Amen? Amen? But then let's not make the mistake to take that freedom, to take that grace as a license for us to continue to stay the way we are. Amen? Because, John 3.16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have eternal life. That's the difference. That's the difference. According to the Bible, which is our authority as Christians, according to the Bible, that is the authority to determine what is the difference between Christ or, or Christian faith versus other faith, is Jesus Christ. Now, we have to be very careful, folks, 
We have to be very careful to make ourselves believe and other people believe that it is us who makes the difference. It's not us. We are not the ones to attract people to Christ, although they'll be attracted to how we act and how loving we are and all that stuff. You know why? We, I, I heard this, this, this message is coming from this, uh, this alarming situation that I had, uh, this alarming, I was alarmed with this conversation that I had with a guest of ours. He is a, a, a Muslim. And you know what he told me? It's the same. We were in our pop list and he came to me and I started talking to him. And you know what he said? Oh, I've been to a mosque. I've been to Buddhist, Buddhist uh, temples. It's the same. People are as friendly as you guys. And they do this too. They gather. They have food around them, you know. It's the same. People are, 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 are loving and they just call God differently. It's the same. Is it the same? No, the right answer is no. And we all know that, right? Oh, no, no, we are different. Jesus Christ is different. Yeah. But do we, that's why there's, there's that need. There is a need for us to live our lives glorifying to God in order for people to be attracted to Christ. But there's a great need for us to utter the words, the difference is Jesus Christ. So are you sharing? How many times have you shared the gospel to people? When you said, clearly, it's not I, but Christ who lives in me. There's a need, folks. Or else they'll just say, oh, it's the same. You're like my relative who's a Mormon. He's really nice. You're just like him. You're like my relative who's a Catholic. You're very giving. You're just like him. It's the same. See? And then you're going to say, oh, yeah, is he good like me? Oh, good. <laughs> Thank you. Right? We have to be very careful because what's the difference? The difference is Jesus Christ. Now, the second point, faith in Jesus versus religion. Now, there's these, this verse from Galatians 1, 13 to 15. Paul speaking, For you have heard of my previous way of life in Judaism, how intensely I persecuted the church of God and tried to destroy it. I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people, and was extremely zealous for the traditions of my fathers. But when God, who set me apart from my mother's womb and called me by His grace, was pleased. And then in Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave Himself for me. Why am I showing this? Because if there is anybody who was very religious and was very faithful in, in his religion, it was Paul. It was Paul. None of us, I don't think, can match his faithfulness in his religion. Conviction, he had it. Education, he had it. Dedication, he had it. He was living for his faith, Judaism. He was excelling in his faith. And he was persecuting the people that were claiming that there is a way that's different from the, from the law. It was him. But then he met Jesus Christ, the living Christ, in the road of Damascus. And that, life, that moment changed his life. And we all know it. We read most of his books in the New Testament. They said three-fourths of the books in the New Testament is written by Paul. 
Isn't that amazing? Now, Christian, if you have met Christ, if you have accepted Christ, there should be a very big turn in our lives because there should be a real conviction. Because meeting Christ means we met our unholiness. Amen? For us to admit that we need a Savior, we have to admit, I'm a sinner. I'm a big sinner. And I need to be rescued. We have to admit, for us to need a Savior, we have to admit that we're in trouble. So maybe, just maybe, we probably didn't think we're that big of a sinner. The biggest hindrance when I share the gospel to certain people are two things. One is they think that they're unforgivable because they've done so many evil things that they cannot be forgiven ever by God. And then the other, they don't think they're not that bad. They think, oh, you know what? God knows. We have to be careful with that God knows line. Because God knows everything. <laughs> That's true. But we don't. When we're given the opportunity to have a discussion with an unbeliever, it's our responsibility to do what? To agree when they say God knows? No, we have to. We're there as their doctor at that moment. We are their spiritual physician at that moment. We are there to help them diagnose themselves spiritually. Because, right? Because we're the ones who knows God. And we're the ones who have the Holy Spirit in us. We're the ones who, who supposedly have the wisdom and the discerning spirit. Now, when you're in a conversation to a person that you think is not a believer, your first burden should be, is this person saved? Because I know I am. Is he or is she? Why am I placed here? Because God is sovereign. God put me in this situation. So what's the next burden? Share the gospel. Ask the questions. When the conversation arises, be bold enough to really be clear. And if they say, oh, yeah, yeah, I've done that before. And then you ask another question. Okay, so if God takes you now, do you know where you're going? Since you know. Now that could, be, that could sound very pushy and you, they could be very irritated with you. They'll probably smack you. <laughs> or not. They'll probably just walk away. But that's our responsibility. That's our responsibility. We owe it to God. Because God gave us that divine appointment. I'm sharing this because this last few, this, this week, God has given me opportunities and has disturbed, disturbed my schedule. <laughs> right? When you make a schedule, you stick with the schedule because you want to be proficient. Right? You want to be productive. But God is sovereign. God has given me two people to share the gospel with this week. And the first one was because of the war with Russia and Ukraine. That was the first one. And then the second one is my buddy, my, my friend, I was, his kidneys failed him. So he's going through physical problems. And boy, I tell you, I've been sharing the gospel to this person. I think I've shared the gospel to him clearly, maybe five, six times. But you know what? At this moment, I shared the gospel to him again. As if I didn't share the gospel to him six times ago. <laughs> you know, I shared it to him. And you know what? Because now, at that moment, he was ready. 
he said, because I said, are you ready? Do you want to make that commitment? Do you want to accept Christ as your Lord? Because we don't know when God's going to take us. We just know that we will all go. Do you want to take it? Because this guy's a gangster, right? He goes, uh-huh. <laughs> uh-huh. That's his yes. Uh-huh. I go, is that a yes? Uh-huh. <laughs> but, you know, he could talk, but he just goes, uh-huh, uh-huh. Because I know it's just right there. I know what that feels. Is he's finally surrendering all control. Everything that he believed in all his life, he's finally saying, yeah, I was wrong. Now I'm ready. Now I'm ready. And you pray to receive Christ as his Lord. Amen? Amen. And I'm praying that he comes here and, 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 and that he'll be able to be the one to share his testimony. But I'm praying for his, his, his recovery. I'm praying that he'll grow. He'll, he'll grow in his relationship with the Lord. You know why? We know why we need to share the gospel. You know the difference between Jesus and religion and the authority of the Bible. It says here that we, in, in Isaiah 64, 6, we are all infected and impure with sin. When we display our righteous deeds, they are nothing but filthy rags. Like autumn leaves, we will wither and fall and our sins sweep us away like the wind. When, they, when the Bible says we are all, the original language meant all. <laughs> all of us, right? Oh, everybody. <laughs> and then in Romans 3.10 to 11, to 11 to 12, as it is written, there is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands. There is no one who seeks God. All have turned away. They have together become worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one. Again, Everybody. It covers everybody. I'm sharing this to you again because I know you know this already, but I want you to, because there's power in the Word. You would rather hear the Word of God than hear my voice, really, because this will stay with you. And hopefully that the God, when, when God makes you come across another person who's lost, you will see him as somebody who is lost, not somebody who's good and who's nice. Although they might be that based on our standards. Maybe they are nicer than us. But that doesn't save them. The Bible says they're not saved. Their religion doesn't save them. It's only Jesus. And then again in Ephesians 2, 8 to 10. Uh, For it is by grace you've been saved through faith. And it's not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. Not by works so that no one can boast. Because that's what religion is. Religion is about works. Like this Lent season, for some people, in, they call themselves Christian, but you know, it's faith in Jesus plus works, then maybe heaven. And that's, not, that's not it. Because the Bible already cleared it for us. Religion makes you boastful. You're going to walk very slow, dip your finger in the water. Ah. Right? There's, the, there's that, that holy moment making you feel that this is the holy moment. I'm coming in the realm of holiness and I'm doing it. I'm doing it. I deserve Him. I deserve God, right? That's what those rituals are. That's what those practices are. Makes you feel that you're taking a part of it. and makes you boastful. And God says, there's no one righteous. Not even one. No one does good. When they do good things, people, the religious people, when they do good things, they, they do it for self-righteousness. 
Why? Because they say, I'm going to do this so I can earn heaven. And we know we can't earn heaven. When I used to be in my former faith, when I give above a dollar, I'm remembering that and I'm saying, hopefully that gets me to the staircase, to the stairway to heaven. I gave the Lord $20. I opened the door for a stranger, another ticket to heaven maybe. I obeyed my mom. Maybe I can go to heaven. Yeah, it's, you think you're doing it for your own selfish reasons, you see? That's what religion is. It makes you think you're taking a part of it. Well, well, what you're forgetting and what we're neglecting is we're denying the perfect work of Jesus Christ on the cross. Because when Jesus died on the cross, His last words were, It is finished. It is paid for. So if that's not true, if you can do something else with your religion, then you're saying God's work wasn't enough. I have to add to it. Faith in Jesus. There is no more work to do to earn us salvation from our sins. Faith in Jesus. We are now and forever saved. That's the difference between Jesus, faith in Jesus, versus religion. It is forever paid for. It is guaranteed. And it didn't depend on us. Now, can you hear him? Can you hear him? Now, when I think of the way God allows things to happen to us, his people, now I can't help but to remember the classic story of uh, poor Bong. You guys remember Bong? Um, Bong went out to jog because, you know, the weather's getting hot and he went on the jogging trail. Now, he passed the cliff. He got a little too close to the edge and then he looked on his phone. So he suddenly fell off, found himself falling. And on the way down, Bong managed to grab a branch, nearly yanking it out of the cliff. When he finally caught his breath, Bong realized what a terrible problem he has. He couldn't get up and letting go certainly seemed to be a poor option for him. Now Bong began to scream. Hello up there! Can anyone hear me? In a moment, a voice returned. Bong, can you hear me? Yes, yes, I can hear you. I'm down here. I can see you, Bong. Are you all right? The voice says. Yes, but who are you and where are you? I am the Lord, Bong, and I am everywhere. The Lord, you mean God? Bong asked. Yeah, that's me, God said. And he goes, God help me. God help me. I promise that if you get me down from here, I'll stop sinning. I'll be a really good person and I'll serve you for the rest of my life. Now, the Lord said, easy on the promises, Bong. First, let's get you down and then we can discuss those things. Okay, I'll do whatever you want, Lord. Just tell me. And the Lord said, okay. Let go of the branch. What? Bong said. I said, let go of the branch. Just trust me and let go. Now there was a long pause as Bong thought of the offer. About five minutes, however, Bong then let out a loud yell. 
Hello? Hello? Is anyone else up there? <laughs> our walk with the Lord, our Christian life, God tells us many times, let go. Let go of your bitterness. Let go of that sin that's holding you back. Let go of your money and trust me. Let go of your stubbornness and just trust me. Let go. But sometimes we don't want to let go because we think our way is better. The way, the difference between Jesus and other faith is that God tells us, trust me and I will handle things for you. Now, Jonathan Dodson in the Gospel Project said, Christianity is the only religion where God is born as a man, becomes fully human. This is the height of enlightenment. All other relig religions teach that humans must work their way toward divinity. All other religions tell the people to you must do so that you can attain heaven while christianity says you're already beaten but you're saved if you trust in the perfect work of jesus christ amen justin read this earlier this is verse 17 to 18 so if you know john 3 16 it says for god so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life 17 reads for god did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already, because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. That's faith in Jesus, is just trusting in Jesus alone and everything that he has done, believing that his work is perfect, Believing that we are sinners and accepting Him saves us. Believing in Him. That's it. Religion is the opposite. Believe in Him plus do works. Believe in someone else and maybe attain heaven. Big difference. Amen? Big difference. Let's close in prayer. Thank you for your patience. Father, we thank you for your message, Lord God. We know that um, we already know most of these, if not all of these truths, Lord God. I pray, Father, that your purpose is served tonight, that we, as we have heard your words once again, Lord God, it gives life to what the, the, the things that we already know. They will just encourage our hearts and our minds to continue to rely on you. Because us being in a relationship with you never really took anything from us. It's just believing everything that you've done for us. Forgive us, Lord, for the times that we have failed, for thinking that it was us and it is us that will keep us saved, that will keep us holy. Forgive us, Lord, for the times that we have lost the burden to share the gospel to the people that are lost, to looking at their goodness and comparing ourselves to them or to other people. Forgive us, Lord, for the times that we weren't bold enough for you Father, but we are so grateful for always giving us that bail money. Always rescuing us, Lord God. Especially the times that we feel that we do not deserve you. Thank you for your grace, your love, and your mercy. We love you, Lord. And all the Lord's people said, Amen, Amen.